what's up? This your boy, Big Man. You already know what it is, man. So let's get right to it. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about YFN Lucci. Now, YFN Lucci just got into the news lately because of something not related to his other court case. Now, what I mean is he was sued by a rapper, him and PMB Rock to be exact, man. Now, the last time we checked in with YFN Lucci, he had just been released from jail after being charged with murder and a couple of other charges involving a shooting that took place in Atlanta, man. It was a real wild situation, and it's gone kind of quiet, man, because, you know, the folks, they were basically coming for YFN Lucci, and they got him. He was arrested. I did several videos. They dropped a 911 call that led to the to his arrest. They also, man, posted the fact that he was out on bond. It was a whole bunch of stuff going on with YFN Lucci last month. Or even, should I say, the month before that. Now, the last we heard of him, he got out. And now we're going to be talking about this court case. Now, in the court case, it looks like him and PNB Rock were being accused of of taking somebody's song for their hit, Every Day We Lit. Now, YFN Lucci and his camp has yet to say anything about this situation, but PNB Rock and them got taken to court, and I'm going to tell you how it went, not in their favor. Now, before we get into the specifics, do me a favor. Make sure you hit that like button, make sure you hit that subscribe button, and man, let's get it. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this YFN Lucci PNB Rock court case. Now, to be honest, it was more directed towards PNB Rock because in the story, it talks about the uh, fact that YFN Lucci might have already made some type of separate agreement for this situation. Now, it doesn't go into any specifics, but this is the case, man. So, there's a New Jersey rapper by the name of Rat Boy Cam. Now, Rat Boy Cam was suing. PMB Rock and YFN Lucci, and he actually won the lawsuit. Now, the lawsuit was a copyright infringement case, and it was over the song Every Day We Lit. Now, for those of you who don't know, YFN Lucci, man, was on a tear for a while. He had a whole bunch of hit songs that came out, man, and Every Day We Lit was one of them. Now, it was featuring a Philadelphia rapper by the name of PMB Rock. Now, a lot of you might not be, you know, up on game about PMB Rock, even though he's pretty significant in the hip-hop game around that time frame, you know what I mean? He's gone a little quiet since then, but, you know, during that time, he was really, really lit out here, man. No pun intended. Now, in this lawsuit, it was saying that PMB Rock and, and the producer, June James, had stolen... From this New Jersey rapper, Rack Boy. Now, Rack Boy had a song called Everything Be Lit. Now, just off the name, you could tell they're similar. Now, when I listened to both songs, I mean, I kind of heard what was familiar between the two, man. You know, the similarities. But it looks like, man, my opinion doesn't matter. Because a judge, I mean, basically awarded uh, Rack Boy... $1.7 million in a judgment, man. Now, this is what it says in a complex article in the news. It basically says this. It says, in 2018 lawsuit, in a 2018 lawsuit, excuse me, Rackboy argued 
that the song Every Day We Lit, on which the three aforementioned artists were featured, is deeply similar to his effort, Everything Be Lit. Earlier this month, Rackboy's lawyer, Christopher W. Nero, secured a significant copyright infringement victory that netted his client over $1.7 million. Since an agreement was already reached with wife and Lucy, like we said earlier, and think it's a game records. The judgment was made against PMB Rock and the song's producer, June James. Now, this gets really interesting because it, the way that they split it up. So basically, in the judgment, they said this. He got over $1.4 million in cash, or he was granted $1.4 million in cash, and close to $268,000 in, pre-judge, in prejudgment interest. So a running and a running royalty plus costs and injunction against James and Allen's exploitation of the infringing work. Man, that sounds like they threw the book at PNB Rock in them, man. Because that yeah, that counts up to about 1.7 million. But then the running royalty and all that and the interest, man, that's that's crazy, man. So dude took to social media, and a lot of people have been talking about this, right? I've seen Say Cheese posted earlier. I've seen a lot of different news sources posted. I think Complex News is the closest to this situation. But it looks like... Or get a loan, a car loan. Trade my car in and get a car loan. She said no. So, a few months later, she said no again. So she said no several times. Finally, my car basically broke down, and I explained to her that there was just no way I couldn't have a vehicle. And so she said, okay, you can get a vehicle, but you can't spend more than, I think it was $350 uh, a month. I ended up having to spend a little bit more than that, and she was okay with that. Um, and I ended up getting a, a, a new Jeep. So... You know, I, I got I got lucky because she really is in complete control of me. For instance, I'm not allowed to leave the middle district of Florida without permission. And so if somebody dies in Georgia and I need to go to Georgia to go to a funeral, I have to ask. And she can say no. Now, I've been lucky because I've been traveling around the country. I've been to California a couple times. I've been to Puerto Rico. I've been to... Pennsylvania, I've been to Texas, I've been I've been all over the place. Utah. So I've been all over the place doing podcasts and I've been lucky she's allowed me to travel. She's only told me one time that I couldn't travel. Um so um so that was the first year, it was pretty tough, but now she's loosened up a little bit. I'm not having to do the random urine tests every month. And I was getting Random urine test once or twice a month at least. Um, I don't have to see a shrink anymore. Um, that got loosened, loosened up. Um, what else is going on? Like, let me give you an example. I got lucky, and I ended up getting. Uh, I ended up getting federal unemployment. I got a, a chunk of money. Like, I got a nice chunk of money. I forget what it was. It was like six grand or seven grand. I forget. But I got a, I got a nice chunk of money. And, um, you know, 
they wanted 25% of it. They wanted 25% of my unemployment. So she and I went back and forth and I explained, look, I'm going to have to live on this money. There's no chance that I'm probably going to get this money again. There may not be another stimulus package. What are you doing? What am I, what happens if I go under? Or so I, we went back and forth, back and forth. She came back and she was like, look, you got to pay 800 bucks at least. So I gave her $800. So, you know, the, the point is, is that this goes on like this until, until um, I'm off of probation. Now, once I'm off probation, I have five years paper. I'm a, at a year and a little, a little bit over a year right now. So once I'm off of paper, um, you still have to pay your judgment and restitution, but it becomes a civil judgment. And basically it's between you and a collection agency that collects for the federal government. So then you, if you start all over again. Now, if you don't pay, there's not much they can do because they're going to put a judgment against you. So I'll have a judgment on my credit. There's not much I can do. Even if I make the payments, they're going to put a judgment on my credit. So then you just have to determine, do you want to pay or do you not want to pay? I'm not sure how I'm going to pay off $6 million. And the judgment's going to attach to me no matter what I do. So I'm not sure what's going to happen at that time. Um, I'll have to figure it out with the uh, collection agency. So let me give you another example. A lot of guys that are on paper, um, you know, it's like you can get off paper typically at about the halfway point. So if you behave yourself, you haven't been any problems, and the probation officer is like, look, this guy's really not a problem. He's not going to, we don't think he's going to get in trouble. He's doing pretty well. We, the, his recidivism rate um, is low. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll, they'll quash your paper. They'll take you off your paper. So you could have a three year rest, three years probation and get off in a year and a half. If you're good. The problem is because I owe $6 million, I'm not going to be able to get, get off paper. If you owe money, then the government doesn't want to let you off paper because they feel like as soon as we let you off paper, you're going to stop paying. And, you know, so they would rather just keep you on paper for the whole five years. Now, what happens a lot of times is guys will violate for some reason. They'll get in trouble with the law. They'll get pulled over. They'll fail some urine tests. Um, maybe they're smoking pot or doing drugs and they'll fail a couple urine tests. And the probation officer will say, Hey, listen, you know what? Your honor, we're, we're done with this guy. He, he's, he's just not manageable. He's not, you know, he's not supervisable and they'll throw him back in jail. Maybe he does six months. Maybe he does three months. Maybe he does two years. And when he gets out, they'll just take him off paper. Now, sometimes they reinstate the paper. I know guys that have gotten out, of, gotten out, had, let's say, four years paper. They got out. Six months later, they violate two or three times. 
and they come back and when they go in front of the judge they go your honor can't you just send me back to prison for like six months and then just quash my paper because i'm not going to stop smoking pot i'm not going to And everyone knows that I love reading books and I want to tell you guys about the Rick Ross book. It's called Hurricanes. I'm going to give it to you guys free of charge using Audible. The link will be in the description and the link will be in the first comment. All you have to do is click the link, follow what I'm doing on the screen or just click the link and it's free of charge. If you don't like the service or if you don't like Audible, if you don't like audiobooks, you can cancel the service or you can leave their actual company and you get to keep the two free books. It's free of charge, $0 if you're looking at the screen. So make sure you click the link in my description or the first comment and make sure you enjoy that Rick Ross book. That will be the book of the month. So tap in and let me know. Thanks so much for getting to this video. I wanna let you guys know about my TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy.com slash strong. A lot of people been hitting me up. Yo, how do I get my children to the next level? Click the link in the description or the first comment, or you can just go to TubeBuddy.com. It's T-U-B-B-U-D-D-Y.com slash strong. It'll let you sign up for free. That way you can take your channel to the next level. That's it for today. I'm signing out. I'm in the news with it, and I will catch you on the next one. like them or don't like them. Uh, if you don't like them, then they're removed from office and then there's uh, somebody else appointed. It's not a contested election like the local judges, right, the state court right. or the and, trial court judges. And they're all nonpartisan, so there's no Republicans, there's no Democrats. All judges. All judges. Yeah, not just the appellate court ones. So, 
Okay, so six-year term. So what happens in the lower level courts, the trial court, what happens that sometimes, because we see governors appoint some of those lower level judges, why is that? If those judges leave office before their six-year term is up, the governor has the option of appointing judges in their spots to finish out the term, and then they have to run for election. But initially, that first term, they get appointed. These, what we're talking about now, the method of appointment for the state governors, are all states like this or just Florida? Uh, Florida, not all states are the same, but okay. Florida, this is Florida. So how does the process work when the governor actually appoints these judges? Well, the way it starts is once a judicial vacancy occurs, then within 60 days of that, the, the Judicial Nominating Commission, and the Judicial Nominating Commission is uh, a group appointed in every circuit, or there's one for the Supreme Court, there's one for every district court of appeals, but there's a judicial nominating commission. There are nine people on the commission. The commission is totally appointed now by the governor, and that started in 2018. Before that, the Florida Bar appointed three, the governor appointed three, and those six appointed the other three. So who, who makes up that Judicial Nominating Commission? It's part lawyers and part <clears throat> non-lawyers. Um, normally it's the majority are lawyers and the minority are non-lawyers. And they're, again, they're all appointed by the governor. The Florida Bar recommends four lawyers and the governor appoints five other people, and they can be lawyers or non-lawyers. Who are the other people usually that are chosen for well, they the non-lawyers? Well, governors always seem to find some non-lawyer people, some supporters, some uh, spouses of supporters. Are they like um, businessmen and women? Are they professionals? Are they random people? Are they lobbyists? Who are they? All of the above. Okay. They can be anybody. Uh, uh, stock. When I served on the uh, Judicial Nominating Commission, we had a stockbroker, we had a stay-at-home mom, we had all sorts of, of people of different races, employments, everything sat on the commission. And what are those conversations like when you're on the commission between the lawyers and the non-lawyers? Do the lawyers dominate the discussion or do they explain how the process works? What is that like when you're sitting in the meetings? Well, actually, uh, it really is very good. Uh, the non-lawyers are very active and it's interesting. The lawyers are very influenced by the way non-lawyers view the, the judiciary and view lawyers. Makes sense. And they're very influenced and they want to pick people to be lawyers for instance, these trial court judges, the circuit count, they see people all day, every day at their worst in some cases. Mm -hmm. And so these non-lawyers on the commission understand that and they want sympathetic people who understand what real people in real life is like. And not just lawyers, because sometimes lawyers get kind of isolated from the real world. Okay, so the governor appoints this general, the JNC is what we call it. So we'll probably just refer to it as the JNC from now on. So the governor appoints this JNC, and then how does the process take place from there? Then there's an advertisement. <clears throat> Any lawyer who wants can apply to be a judge. And you might get 60 or 70 or 80 people applying, and they fill out a long application, all their finances, everything they own, every, every time they voted, just everything 
is in this packet and it's sent to the nine members. Is it an application? Are they trying to convince you to pick them or is it just something they give you that's just raw data? It's raw data, but okay. let's be honest with you, they make sure that raw data reflects why they would be good judges. Uh, their work experience, all sorts of uh, family experiences are in there and they can put anything they want. We had some people put in a family album uh, into their application to show, you know, what great family people mm -hmm. they were. We had uh, all sorts of stuff that, that stuffed in there to, you know, bring it to our attention. Then the nine members meet and we decide of that, let's say, 70 applications, who we're going to live interview. And we'll try to limit it to maybe 20 or 30 people of live interviews. Those 20 or 30 people are then brought in one at a time and questioned by the nine members. So what happens after the live interviews with the JNC? Well, then the JNC meets those nine members. And that meeting, by the way, is not a government in the sunshine meeting. Uh, it's done in secret. And they sit around and discuss the candidates. They are then required to send to the governor a minimum of three and a maximum of six individuals that they feel are qualified to become judges. So they send those up to the governor for review. The governor either accepts them or rejects them. He does not have to accept that. Sometimes the governor has sent back the names and look, do another. Will sealing my criminal record in Nevada restore my gun rights? Getting a criminal record seal in Nevada does not restore the person's gun rights. The only thing that restores a person's right to own and possess a firearm in Nevada is a governor's pardon. Not all Nevada pardons restore gun rights. So when people apply for a pardon, they have to be sure to check the box on the pardon application indicating that they want to get their gun rights back. If a person has their gun rights restored under a Nevada pardon, federal authorities cannot later use the pardon conviction to prosecute him or her for unlawful possession of a firearm under federal law. But some states are stricter than the feds and do not allow people to have guns in their states even if they were pardoned in Nevada. So always research a state's gun laws before traveling to another state. Pardons are very rarely granted in Nevada. To increase the odds of success, people are advised to hire an attorney familiar with the pardon process to write their application and appear at their hearing. If you are facing criminal charges in Nevada, Call my legal team at 702-DEFENSE. The attorneys at the Las Vegas Defense Group will do everything to try to get your case resolved as quickly and favorably as possible. Willfully destroying evidence in the state of Nevada is a crime under NRS section 199.220. And willful destruction of evidence could involve uh, destruction of papers, for example, uh, counting records if you're being investigated for economic fraud, 
if you had files on your computer that were uh, relevant to a criminal investigation, deleting those files could be willful destruction of evidence. If there was a firearm that was utilized in the commission of a, of a, of a homicide or shooting, uh, if you were to take that firearm and, and dig a hole in the desert and bury it or throw it into a body of water, that would be uh, considered destruction of evidence, which in Nevada is a gross misdemeanor punishable by up to 364 days in the county jail and or a fine of up to $2,000. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. I love this podcast, Marcus. You know I that? See, I see, I see. I absolutely love this podcast because I get to like connect with people and get like free game and cover it as a podcast. So if I was gonna, if I, if I didn't know you right, yeah, and I was yeah. like, hey, Marcus, man, I just need like an hour of your time, man. Like, how much would you charge me? I couldn't even put a price tag on it. But okay, if I ran up on you in the street, would you say, "Okay, let's do it," or are you like, "Uh, we do course. No, you have to get the consultation. You know, I get you with the link in the bio for the free consultation. Uh, uh, talk to the team. But so. no, with just me, um, really on a coaching to spend an hour because of everything that would be able to get covered. Um, at minimum, two to three grand. Two to three thousand. So, start a podcast. You get two to three thousand dollars worth of time for free. So, let's get into it. <laughs> let's go. I love it, man. First off, uh, I see you and Rick Ross. Y'all got, y'all got a bunch of uh, situations going on, man, in terms of the financial literacy. But before we get there, um, I guess introduce yourself to the people. My name is Marcus Borney, also known as Him 500. I teach financial literacy. I specialize in teaching things that you can't Google when it comes to financial strategies on how to turn your credit into cash. Like one, uh, give, give me one, give me one. A way to turn your credit into cash. I tell a lot of people is that when you go to build your credit report, um, once you clean the negative items off, you wanna learn how to start building. Right. So when you start building, I tell people, listen, it's a, it's a website called Swap Elise. Swap Elise. Swap Elise. Swap Elise. Yes, yeah, Swap Elise. So with Swap Elise, I tell people, I say, listen, go find the cheapest car. So over my time, I found the cheapest car was a smart car. The smart car costs about two hundred and twenty-one bucks a month. Mm. You can find them, and you take over somebody else's lease. When you take over somebody else's lease. They don't want it anymore, so they're willing to pay to get out of it. Oh. So it's like subject two for cars. Like, you know, subject two in real estate, you just take over there. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, but now imagine is that now I don't have a down payment. Right. Now I go pick up a vehicle when it's time for me to, I'm, this, is, this is just building my report. So I go get the vehicle, and it's $221 a month. Let's say it has a year left on it right, or 18 months, but even at a year, um, 
I tell people, listen, then you just simply take the vehicle. It's a smart car, small. Most people think they can't fit in it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, I'm a big gentleman, but I fit in it, right? Mm -hmm. So I got the smart okay. car, right? So okay. I said, listen, you take the smart car, 221 bucks a month. You go out and you contact David Shans and say, Dave, let me put real social proof on the left side for 221 bucks a month. I'm gonna keep it in Metro Atlanta that it'll be exposed between 10 to 30,000 people per month mm -hmm. because it's gonna be riding around Metro Atlanta for 12 hours a day. Shans is gonna say 221 bucks and you're gonna put it on the side of my car? I don't know, you gonna say no? No, let's do it. So you find three of them. So now at three people, now that vehicle now at 220 on this side, 220 on this side, 220 on this side, that's 660 a month I make off of 221 So you get this $200 car, mm -hmm. you sell advertising on three sides of the car. Yes. And for the, for the same amount of the lease. Of the car the, note. The car note. Yeah, yeah, the lease note. Gotcha. Now, I got a car note that was 220 and now I make 660. Mm -hmm. Now I look and I go, okay, but how do I keep it in Metro Atlanta for 12 hours? Do I park it? No. I go and I go find people that's between the ages of 21 to 25 and I say, listen, um, I got an opportunity for you to drive and you just post an ad on Indeed, right? I tell everybody, test, this, test your websites. I don't tell you just jump out there and go get the car first. Test the websites. Post an ad on Indeed for people who are willing to drive and willing to pay $150 a week. Don't worry about gas or insurance. Insurance on a smart car is 30 bucks. Don't pay for the gas. I'll pay for it. Mm. You pay me 150 a week, you can drive for six hours out of the day. Well, guess what? I get two kids driving it at 150 a day. I mean, 150 a week, that's $300 a week. Times so 12. each kid can drive it for six hours a day. Yes, and go do Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash. For $150 a week. $150 a week. So you got advertising for $600 a month so far. Mm -hmm. Plus you're getting, if it's two kids driving it 150 a week, that's $300 a week. So that's another $1,200 per month. Yes. Off We've been seeing a lot of cases in Las Vegas uh, having to do with pool parties. And people come in often from out of town. They come to Las Vegas to attend, you know, a massive pool party at one of the casinos over the weekend. And, of course, there's uh, often drug use that goes on. Uh, at those engagements. The casinos have actually been making a substantial effort to cut down or put a stop to drug use at, the, at those uh, parties. So often what we're seeing is that it's private hotel security that are searching people and not law enforcement. And so when private security search, if they violate your rights, it's not, it's, it, it, it's not, there's no remedy because only um, your Fourth Amendment rights only protect you against law enforcement searches, not against private security searches. So the suggestion would be, 
if obviously if you're going into a private uh, a private party and you're asked for consent to search you can still say no and you can simply leave discard the contraband and, and go in without it um, we've seen a lot of people that have been arrested and charged with very serious uh, drug-related offenses relating to um, their attendance at these pool parties. The good news is that, for the most part, we've been able to negotiate very, very reasonable dispositions. It may be a situation where someone's going to a pool party to meet up with a large group of friends, and they're carrying for example, the ecstasy tablets that everybody at the pool party plans to take. We've had uh, clients that, that were initially facing very serious charges in relation to possessing uh, sometimes even a substantial quantity of narcotics, and we've been able to negotiate resolutions that even in some cases involve pleas to misdemeanors with no jail time. Um, so. The good news is that uh, if you've been charged with a trafficking offense or possession for sale of narcotics at a pool party, there is reasonable hope that you can obtain a good result and not have uh, that arrest and prosecution be something that causes you substantial harm in the future. I'm attorney Michael Becker with the Las Vegas Defense Group. If you or a loved one has been charged with a criminal offense in Las Vegas or throughout the state of Nevada, trust in me and my legal team to get your case dismissed or otherwise negotiate a resolution that causes minimal harm to you in your future. I'm 100, 200,000. When I'm looking at the, the relationship with Wells Fargo, I go, you got to baseball team over here you got this you got all this portfolio is crazy they'll give you the money in my head what do you need how why do you need a hundred thousand dollars if your mortgage is two million and you got a baseball team like no listen do you know like the his house is worth two million so they took two million out mortgage to home but then you know the charity oh you're saying now he pays two million a month Bro, no, I'm thinking. No, no, I thought. I'm like, yo, wait a minute. This reaction is crazy. I'm like, wait, two million on a mortgage. You know, people get two million dollar homes all the time. So in my head, I'm like, yo, who are these humans? No, 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 no. Two no, million no, a month to need a hundred thousand dollars. No, no. So they got a two million dollar mortgage. Gotcha, gotcha. And so his home is worth two million. That's what gotcha. he took the mortgage for. But I'm looking and I go, they can get what they want. But we can't. Right. There's a disconnect here. Mm -hmm. And so I started um, helping people with their credit. So I would, outside of work, I would do my thing. And they still couldn't get the loan. Oh, so you were helping them with their credit? Yeah. To get the loan. Got it. They still couldn't get the loan. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, You'd have been I a scammer. You'd have been called a scammer. Right, right. Listen to me. I don't know if right. that word existed back then, but. Yo, listen, right. It's like so big now. It's right. crazy. But I said, I can get you a credit card and it will go through. Mm -hmm. My problem was 
these loans looked so good at 2.6% and 3.1%. And these credit cards look so bad at 17%, 21%. They're going to give you this because of what they're going to charge you and make off of you. I get it. Mm-hmm. You haven't, you're not established enough for me to trust you on this scale. Mm-hmm. I get it. But how do we win and get to the next level if you take 20% of my, of my, of what I make? Right, right. So that's when I said it became a conflict of the church and government. Gotcha. I believe because I'm coming for y'all now. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not working for the bank for this check. I make $32,000 a year. This is not going to cut anyways. I don't care. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, no, I'm, I can make. I started making more money with credit repair than I did here. Right, right. I'm out of here. But I just was afraid to go back into business, being out of it, working in the warehouse, doing that, that running that fiasco. Now I'm working at a Wells Fargo that got me into this mindset. And I'm going. I would never buy a home though, because I didn't want to be tied to the job. Gotcha. But then I was scared to kind of get back out there in the business. And I go and I started learning credit. So I, the credit repair took off. Um, and then I said, okay, let me master my credit so I can secure myself for when I go into business, when things get hard, I now have foundation or something to fall back on. Yeah. Only my, that was my only goal. So I started learning how to get credit. My goal is that I'm never I don't like paying people to do things for me. So I will go to people's seminars and I will say, how do you get funded? And I will ask the question of like, they would, they would break it down, we can get you funded for this amount. And I would say, well, what cars, what banks do you apply for in what order? Right. Oh, you asking too many questions. And I go, okay, either you don't have it, the answer, or that's what you make the money off of. So that's what I went and figured out. Mm. I went and figured out how to fund myself. That's why I created the how to get 15 credit cards with only three or four, with four to five inquiries. I figured it out myself. Y'all won't tell me, I figure it out myself. Come to find out most people who offer funding go through a second party. Somebody else does the funding, they just stand there and talk. Mm. I do it myself. I get on the computer and do my applications. I break my sequence down and make it make sense. I know how to do it. When you say you break your sequence down and make it make sense, what do you mean? So most people don't know that certain banks do inquiries. They do their uh, verifying up front. So if you take a Barclays, if you ever have a Barclays credit card, it takes you a few days to get your approval. Why? Underwriting's looking at it, making it make sense. If you go with Chase, Chase or B of A, let's, I mean not B of A, but let's use Amex. Amex will hit you with a financial review randomly a year later. Why? They're going to come back and go, send us your tax returns to make sure what you put on this application matches. Now we're going to do a soft tool verify your report but we gave you the approval instantly Mm -hmm. chase is the same way chase will come back and do a soft pool so word to the wise anybody that's listening you could even be prosecuted for watching an animal fight 
Uh, a first-time offense is a misdemeanor, which means up to six months in jail. A second-time offense is a gross misdemeanor, which is up to 364 days in county jail. And a third-time offense is a Category E felony, which could subject you to up to four years in the state prison. Hello, I'm Michael Castile with the Las Vegas Defense Group. Today's topic is pandering. The Nevada crime of pandering is a legal term for what's commonly called pimping. Pandering means to encourage, force, or otherwise arrange for someone else to engage in prostitution. It doesn't matter whether the alleged pandering involved violence, whether the supposed victim ended up having sexual relations, or even whether any money actually exchanged hands. Merely facilitating the solicitation of prostitution qualifies as the crime of pandering. Now, there are several possible defenses to pandering charges in Nevada. These include the defendant being falsely accused, or perhaps witnesses mistakenly identified the defendant as a panderer. Either way, charges should be dropped if the prosecution fails in proving guilt beyond a reasonable doubt which is a very high standard for them to meet. Pandering is punishable as a felony and the penalties depend on the age of the victim. For instance, pandering an adult carries up to five years in prison and possibly $10,000 in fines. However, pandering a child carries up to 20 years in prison and potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. If you or a loved one is facing pandering charges in Nevada, please call us, the Las Vegas Defense Group, at 702-DEFENSE for a free consultation. Thank you. Sometimes on a job application, you may be asked whether you've suffered a conviction. Sometimes you'll be asked, have you ever been arrested? And sometimes it'll say, if so, explain. And sometimes the explanations aren't so good. So not only can we seal criminal convictions, but we can also seal arrest records so that you don't have to check the yes box and you don't have to explain. Um, and so really I think this comes to bear mainly in employment related situations. Sometimes, it's, you know, especially in Las Vegas, there are, there are lots of embarrassing stories behind the yes boxes. And so um, it's really, you know, important that people feel that, that whatever happened in Vegas isn't going to resurrect itself and come back to haunt them later on. I'm attorney Michael Becker of the Las Vegas Defense Group. If you've been arrested in Las Vegas or anywhere in the state of Nevada, call us at 702 Defense. We'd be happy to talk to you about your case.